You're listening to Stephen or Else, the podcast with the unsightly ear hair. Stephen or Else is a Big Beard Books production. Episode number two of the Stephen Orell's podcast. And just like last week, I think I have more content than can possibly fit into a 30-minute episode. I've got so much stuff that by the end, I think your eyes are going to be bleeding. But that's okay. Let's not worry about that. Let's just get on with the show and, and I'll stop with some awkward pauses now and again. So here's what we got for you on episode two. I'm going to talk some comics. I'm going to talk TV. I've got a Comic-Con report. I got a bit of news. I got a sketch that involves TV binging. I've even got some bloopers. But first, how about some announcements and all that beginning of the episode type stuff that us podcast hosts do. So I've been listening to the old Just Another Fanboy episodes. These suckers are like 12 years old. I'm, I'm up to, a, I think I'm up to episode 20. And the one thing I've discovered listening to these older, ep, the, I mean, they're all old, even the newest episodes, 10 years old, but the older of the old episodes, the one thing I'm, I'm getting out of it is how much I enjoyed creating these podcasts with the commercials and the bloopers and most of all, Norman and Gary. Now, we're going we're gonna to talk about Norman and Gary here in a minute, but the, the, the thing about the old Just Another Fanboy podcast, especially those first, I don't know, however many episodes, those were all fully scripted. I mean, I actually, you know, for the week before I recorded, I would sit down and type out everything I was going to say. Now, as I'm getting further along around episode 19, 18, 19 or so, there are bits of the show in which I'm not just completely reading from a script. And I think those parts do feel more natural. That's why I'm trying to avoid it as much as possible now. I mean, I've got five pages of show notes, only four for episode one. I've got five for episode two. And I'm trying to use these. I'm trying to do a combination of, of, of both, a scripted show and talking just off the top of my head. So nothing in essence is scripted, but I've got a lot of notes. I know what I'm going to talk about. So I don't, so I can avoid those awkward pauses. I mean, you're going to get the awkward pause because that's just who I am, but I'm going to avoid them as much as possible. So let's talk about Norman and Gary a bit. Actually, no, let's talk about uh, the commercials. So I used to do um, news and information. You could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little information. And I'm doing it again now with, with the new show. But I, I, I would actually spend the week going to various comic book news sites and write up articles. And I would spend 10 to 15 minutes of the episode just reading through these articles. And now, you know, I sounded like a freaking anchor man, but um, I would always open up each news segment with this week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself or just a little effort is brought to you by, and then I would have a fake sponsor. Uh, I didn't have a fake sponsor for episode one. I kind of joked on that one because it was just the first episode. But I do have a fake sponsor for this episode. 
And I'm not going to tell you who it is, but teaser, it's the title of the episode. So I want to bring those back. And that is something that is completely scripted. Um, I also want to bring back, um, when we talk more about Norman and Gary here in a bit, um, well, let's just talk about Norman and Gary. So I had these two characters, Norman, Oklahoma, and Gary, Indiana. And they were part of the show as if they were co-hosts. But every once in a while, I would do a little sketch featuring the two of them and maybe me. Um, and that's something I want to bring back to the show. And, and I do have a sketch that we'll listen to later in the episode that doesn't feature neither Norman or Gary. Uh, mainly because I'm not sure if I want to bring Norman and Gary back. I do want to bring Norman and Gary back. But the 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 issue at this point right now is primarily upon using the name Norman, Oklahoma. Now, Norman, Oklahoma has been a character that's been inside my head for probably 16, 17 years. And originally, he was going to be somebody I was going to write stories about. I, I had this idea of a like a pulp hero, like an Indiana Jones. Norman, Oklahoma is a play on Indiana Jones. And so I started writing stories. Um, and then along comes the podcast. And I wanted to introduce a uh, uh, a character into the show in which I would do a silly voice. And I just said, well, let's just call him Norman, Oklahoma. I mean, I've, you know, I'm not really doing anything with him right now. And of course the podcast ends and I actually published a book featuring the character Norman, Oklahoma, who is not the character that was on the show. So if I bring that character back to the show, someone who is rad, who is different than the character that's in the book, I just, I just did that. It makes my OCD weep. So what can I do? Um, I think what, I, what I'm thinking about doing is just creating two brand new characters, but using the same voices. And I don't think anybody's going to care. I'm not going to care. Will you care? Let me know. Let me know what you think. Um, I was worried that I would, the quality would be a little different as far as recording various characters as myself and how I would fit it all together. But the sketch that I'm going to do later in the show was mostly a test to see if I could still do something like that, sitting in a truck, recording on a phone. And I, I think I pulled it off. I'll let you be the judge when we get there. Um, now, beyond that, I am working on a YouTube channel to upload the episodes to. Of course, they will be audio. It's not something that you can watch. But I know of a lot of people who listen to their podcasts on YouTube. So I want to I wanna eventually have a YouTube channel. I've, I've created the channel. There's some things I need to do to get episodes up there. As of now, I'm recording this on Wednesday. The, the episode goes out tomorrow on Thursday. As of now, there's nothing up there. I'm hoping that by the time episode two is released tomorrow, that I'll have both episodes on YouTube. But honestly, I don't know if I can if I can have it done that quickly. A lot of it has to do with my getting my new phone, which I don't have yet, which is a, a company thing. I'm, I don't want to talk about that. Um, okay. The last bit before we really get into the episode is I went to a comic book convention this weekend. It's a small one that they host in Lawrence, Kansas every year. It's called the free state. Um, it's called the Lawrence free state comic con, I believe. And I had taken my youngest uh, Palin. Yeah, I'm, I'm using their names now. You'll, I, I know I mentioned it last week, but you'll find out when you listen to the little segment that I got coming up next. But Palin had gone to that convention with me before three or four years ago. Rana, who's older, has never been to a comic book convention and she's always wanted to go. So this convention came up. I happened to have that Saturday off 
because we go to the library on uh, one Saturday every month, and they just happen to coincide together. Uh, so I took them both to this comic book convention, and then afterwards we recorded like a little five-minute segment. So let's go ahead and just listen to that now. Okay, so I am currently sitting in my car in the uh, parking garage outside our local library. It's Saturday, September the 8th, uh, and I just spent part of the day with my two girls. We went to a small comic book convention and then came here to the library to check out some stuff. Once a month we go to the library and we check out some stuff. So for my two girls, I got Little Bitty and Noodle with me. And for Noodle, this was her first comic convention. Uh, Noodle, how did you like the comic book convention? I thought it was pretty cool. I liked looking at all the art and stuff. Noodle's a bit of an artist. Little Bitty, what'd you think about the convention? I like the stuff I got. Tell, tell everybody what you got, Little Bitty. I got a Doctor Who poster, a Dipper pop figure, a Grunkle Sand pop figure, and a Scott Pilgrim pop figure. The Doctor Who poster is actually a print. I, now I can't remember the name of the artist, which is probably pretty stupid of us, because we probably should have written that freaking guy's name down. I'll have to look it up maybe when we get online, but he was uh, he did little drawings that look like the, the Funk Pop vinyl figures, kind of. And he had a sheet of a bunch of different characters from the newer version of Doctor Who with David Tennant and Matt Smith and so on and so forth and so on. Uh, Noodle, what'd you get at the convention? I got a pop figure of Steven from Steven Universe. Big fan of Steven Universe, are you? Uh, I wouldn't say big fan. I'm kind of a huge fan. Super nerd fan? Yeah, you could say that. And then we we stopped at the library uh, and got a few things. Um, I got some comics. I got the first three volumes of Rumble by Image. I got All-Star Batman the Scott Snyder, John Romita Jr., and I got the first Astro City trade, which I've never read, and I've been told a lot that I need to read. So you're going to hear about stuff like that coming up. I also got uh, Avengers Infinity War DVD, which the girls are really not looking forward to me watching. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not into superhero movies. So you're going to watch all the Lord of the Rings movie, and then you're going to make a sit while you watch this, too? I had started... Uh, Fellowship of the Ring today. No, I'm going to I'm gonna hold off on Fellowship of the Ring and I'm going to watch the Avengers Affinity War. I also got Tombstone and Pale Rider to round off my Western kick. So we'll be talking about those at some point as well. You only get one movie a day. One movie a day. That's, that's what I'm supposed to get. So that's our Comic-Con report. The Comic-Con we went to was called the Lawrence Free State Comic-Con. And it's a it's a it's a small one. I got to shake Andy Parks' hand. Andy Parks is a gentleman. Uh, didn't really recognize any of the other creators there, but I'm a big fan of Andy Parks. He's even liked one of my tweets, so, oh, wow. that, that feels so makes me feel pretty good. Okay, anything else you guys want to say? In Ron, Palin or Palin? Ooh, man, I said her name. Okay, no. I'm with Ron and Palin. There, fine. You drug it out of me. Palin, did you get anything? Did you get anything good in at the library? I got a book. She got a book, ladies and gentlemen. This was actually a very, uh, very weird trip to the library because usually all of us leave with stacks of books in our hands. Well, it doesn't get but, books. She gets 
graphic novels. Well, it's still a book. It's still literature. Okay, well, we're going to wrap this up because we got to go get gas and then go home. Yeah. So uh, let's, uh, let's just move on. Better than everyone else. So yeah, that was a, a fun little convention that we went to uh, 10 years ago. I, well, the day that we went on Saturday, I had talked to the guy who runs the, the convention, Craig, and um, reminded him that 10 years ago, the Just Another Fanboy podcast had a table at that convention. And that was actually our last episode, I believe, was our, our episode that we recorded there at the convention. So that was my Comic-Con report. It's probably going to be my only Comic-Con report that you'll ever hear on this podcast until I can afford to go to one of the bigger ones in Kansas City. So here's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. This week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort is brought to you by Thompson's Shoe Biscuits. In this fast-paced world when you're always on the move, wouldn't it be nice to bake yourself a warm, delicious snack without slowing down? Now with Thompson's Shoe Biscuits, you can do just that. Thompson's patent-pending laboratory-tested system is a revolution in ergonomic baking footwear. Each pair of sturdy loafers come with their very own convection heels that allow your own kinetic movement to bake yourself up a pair of savory biscuits in the time it takes to walk a mile. For only 12 easy payments of $29.99, you'll not only get our sturdy loafers, but you'll also receive a three-year supply of biscuit mix. Choose from Cheddar Bay, Sourdough, or Original. But that's not all. Call within the next seven seconds and we'll throw in a second pair of shoes absolutely free. So call now at 1-800-555-5555. That's 1-800-555-5555. Thompson's Shoe Biscuits. Walk a mile in our shoes, then butter those biscuits. So the New York Comic Con tweeted this past Tuesday that it will be hosting a Hellboy movie panel on Saturday, October 6th. Featuring David Harbour, who will be playing Hellboy, Ian McShane, Sasha Lane, Daniel Day Kim, and Hellboy creator himself, Mike Mignola. Now, hopefully that means we're going to get a trailer that weekend as well, because I keep seeing the picture of David Harbour in his Hellboy getup. And they, I, I just keep seeing it every, one, every time uh, one of the nerd sites talks about the movie, they show that picture, and I'm frankly tired of seeing it. I'm ready to see a trailer. So hopefully that weekend, Saturday, October 6th, they will put a trailer up for that Hellboy movie. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what it'll look like, because I personally liked both of the Hellboy movies that they put out back uh, however long ago that was, 10, 15 years or so ago. Was Has it been that long? 10 years? 15 years? I don't know. Uh, but I enjoyed him. I enjoyed him both. I thought Ron Perlman was a great Hellboy, and I like David Harbour. Uh, from he's the if you're, you're not familiar, he's the uh, the the sheriff or the marshal or chief of police or whatever the crap he is in the Stranger Things over on Netflix. Uh, so yeah, that's really the only news story I had this week. It's the only thing I had that 
piqued my interest. Now, with that, I'll, I will say I, I may not have a news segment each and every week. I'm trying not to have a standard format each week, I guess, where you know that each week you're going to get writing, news, comics, TV and movies, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I'll stick to the basics as far as I, as long as I can. But if there's, if there's nothing for me to talk about in certain segments, I ain't going to talk about them. But I do have something to talk about, and it's a comic book. So let's talk comics. What is your favorite thing in the world? Comics. Yes. Comics! No, 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 wait, tell me about comics. Okay, so last week, one of the listeners, John, uh, commented on episode one over on Patreon and suggested, threw out the names of a few comic books that, that he recommended I try out. And I tried one of them right away, and I want to talk about it here on the show. It's Paper Girls by Image Comics. I got the first trade through Hoopla, so I read it all on my phone. Uh, this is written by Brian K. Vaughn. The artist is Cliff Chang. The colors were done by Matt Wilson, and the letters were done by Jared K. Flitcher. Uh, this was a... Let, let's just talk about the look of the book, first of all, because it was freaking beautiful. Um, I've always... I've been a fan of Cliff Chang since... I remember talking about him, I think... Um, well, maybe... I can't remember if I talked about him in the, the previous podcast or not, but he did... I think he did Wonder Woman for a bit. He may have even done Green Arrow for a bit, uh, but really love his art style. He's got kind of a um, almost Darwin Cook type of uh, type of art style. I don't know how you would describe that, but it's very it's it's kind of clean and um, not a lot of nonsense going on there. And I love that. It's beautiful. And then you combine that with the colors by Matt Wilson. And I talked about colorists last week, but this is this is somebody I've never heard of. But just reading the book, he's he's just immediately leaped into one of my top colorists because he did. I mean, it was almost four color uh, color palette, you know, from the old days. He did some shading and whatnot, but it was very simple. And it because it was so simple, the artwork and the book and the panels just popped. They just practically reached out of the book and slapped me in the face and then gave me a hug because they just made me feel good. So huge props to Matt Wilson uh, and then Cliff Chang, the art team on that book, because it was freaking beautiful. Now, the book itself was a, was a darn good read. I really enjoyed it, and I am I am definitely going to continue with the series, provided I can find uh, all the trades. I don't know if it's still ongoing or not. Uh, but this is so okay. It's called Paper Girls. It's about four uh, preteens, about twelve years old, four, four girls in Ohio, who deliver papers in a particular, I think, suburb of Cleveland, if I read that correctly. And they are. It, it opens up on what they can, what they call Hell Night. Uh, it's the the morning after Halloween in 1988. 
And so they're delivering papers the morning after Halloween, so on November 1st. And there's, you know, there's still some teenagers out who, at one point, uh, the main character... And I, I'll tell you what, I didn't make any notes, so I can't remember anybody's name names except for Mac and KJ. Um, but the main character, Emily, I think her name was Emily, she... Um, she runs into these three teenage boys who are giving her a hard time. And then the other three girls come in and, and help her, led by Mac, um, who is your basic uh, cursing, smoking 12-year-old. You know, you see them everywhere. Um, well, not, not long after the four of them meet up and they go out to deliver their papers and they're, they're going to help each other, uh, weird stuff starts happening. So what we got here is kind of a weird time travel story. It's like f weird folks from the future come back in time, speaking a different language. Uh, a couple of them are dressed up like ninjas, but they are teenagers who are deformed. And I think someone makes a reference at some point in the book where uh, they, they consider themselves Robin Hood coming back to the past to steal from the past to help the future. And... Uh, but then they they are against their enemies are the old timers as they call them so the grown ups who speak some kind of weird weird version of uh, of English and man a helicopter's flying by I don't know if you can hear that that's a military copter and it looks like it's got a red cross on it so maybe that's a ambulance copter anyway it's getting really hot in this truck so I'm gonna move things along um, so the the I think it was eight issues maybe in the book. Um, but at one point, all four, the, the three of the girls are shot forward into 2016 where Emily, if that is her name, meets her future self, but also meets a clone of herself. Um, and just, you know, there's some, there's some, uh, some, some tension there. Uh, KJ, one of the girls doesn't go to 2016 with them and they don't know where she is. Uh, Emily, before they go to 2016, is shot, um, and these two teenage, th these two future teenagers who are who are deformed and dressed as ninjas, they take her and they take her forward into the future and use these bugs, like robo bugs, to heal her, and then she gets back with her friends, and the the machine that they use to to go through space and time blows up or something, shoots them into 2016, they find a, a message from KJ scrawled on her field hockey stick uh, to to go to fold number four, which is a fold in time, apparently. And there's all these old timers there who are just regular grownups. There's, there's one old dude with like a beard, long white hair who wears like pop culture type shirts. I think at one point he's wearing a public enemy shirt and whatnot. But these these uh, the the future dudes, the old timers, they they ride like uh, pterodactyls or, or pterodons or something, some kind of dinosaur, flying dinosaur thing. So these girls are now mixed up in all this. And at, at the end of the, the, the trade, they meet back up with their friend KJ. They go into the fourth fold. They end up somewhere. I don't know. You know, they don't tell you where it is or, or what time it is, but it was just a really good book. I'm 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 not doing it justice because it's so freaking hot in this truck. Uh, but it was it was a dang good read, and I want to thank John for recommending it to me because I'm recommending it to to all y'all who like comics. Brian K. Vaughn, 
Cliff Chang, Matt Wilson, Jared K. Fletcher, Paper Girls, Image Comics. Go read it. So I didn't have a lot of time to watch a lot of stuff this over this past week because my schedule at the second job, I've been working more hours than I normally do. Uh, but I did get a couple of really good things uh, going. Uh, first was um, I, I have started season two of Iron Fist over on Netflix and I watched Avengers Infinity War. And I have a lot to say about that particular movie. And I have a little to say about Iron Fist Season 2. But before we talk about Iron Fist Season 2, I got up right away that Friday morning um, knowing that I was going to be watching the show. And, uh, yeah, we'll just listen to this. Okay, so I'm at home recording this. It's Friday, September 7th, and I have taken the day off of work, and everyone else is gone. Uh, the main reason I took today off of work is because I'm not working tonight at the night job, and I'm not working either job tomorrow, so I wanted a, a two-day weekend. Now, the other reason I took the day off of work is we've been painting the uh, room that both of my teenage daughters share, and I thought I could get some, some of the painting done today, at least get uh, the one half of the room done um, so that they can start moving some of their stuff back into the room. But while I'm here, I'm going to watch a few episodes of the second season of Iron Fist, and the advantage, I guess, of doing a podcast in which I'm just recording into my phone is that if I'm anywhere doing anything that I feel like talking about, I can just pull out the phone, hit record, and start talking. So that's what I'm doing now. But before I start watching this first episode called Target Iron Fist, I, I had a couple things to say really quickly. And um, I was laying here in bed uh, this morning um, and my mind and brain, my mind and brain, see, still not quite awake. My mind and my body were having that argument that they tend to have when I try to sleep in. And my mind is telling my body, hey, aren't you normally up by this point? Shouldn't you be awake and doing things? And my body's like, man, shut up. I'm trying to sleep. And when that happens, my mind is like, okay, fine. Gee, settle down. Just talking. And then my mind tends to drift. And the two things my mind started to uh, ruminate on were the podcast and watching Iron Fist today. And for some reason, it tied that into a an audio Monty Python sketch called Novel Writing, in which um, I, I want to say the author was Thomas Hardy, is apparently 
based on the audio. They are in the middle, sitting in the middle of some type of arena, like a soccer arena. Or in England, it would be a football arena. And he's sitting down at a little table with a typewriter to start writing his new novel. And it's a whole, it's a, it's an event. It's like a sporting event. There, there are thousands of people there to watch. And they're the, the, the gist, you know, the main part of the entire sketch are two commentators commentating on his writing this novel. And, oh, he's, he's typed the first word there. The first word is the. Oh, he started many of his his novels with the definite article the. Um, you know, and for some reason that got me thinking about what if that was me in the middle of the arena watching Iron, binging Iron Fist on Netflix as if binging a TV show was a spectator sport. So that got me to thinking about that. And I wondered, is that something that I could put together on my phone? I don't know. Let's find out. Welcome once again to the annual Binge Watching Championship. I'm Chuck Bland, and joining me this afternoon is my colleague and all-around swell guy, Tom Stale. Thanks, Chuck. It's always a pleasure. And what a beautiful day it is for binging some TV. It certainly is, Tom. The sun is shining, there's a cool breeze blowing gently from the east, and the birds are singing their singy songs. Thankfully, we're inside and don't have to put up with all that. Too true, Chuck. Too true. Nothing like a bit of sunshine to put a damper on some truly epic TV binging. And speaking of epic binging, Tom, we have a real treat for everyone today. That's right, Chuck. Today, to binge Iron Fist Season 2 on Netflix, hailing from the hills of eastern Kansas, we have returning champ, Stephen R. Orr. This is truly a historical event, Tom, as this will be the first time that Orr has binged a television show professionally since his accident back in 09. Too true, Chuck. And I think I speak for the entire nation when I say how saddened we were on that day in July when Stephen had his fall. You certainly speak for me, Tom. Worse than the sorrow, however, more bitter than the anguish were the inevitable questions. There was a mystery surrounding that day. What happened exactly that took Orr out of the game for almost a decade? Thankfully, Chuck, we can now finally answer those questions. That's right, Tom. Last week, our very own Ronnie Chump caught up with Orr as he trained for today's event. It's half past ten in the morning as I join legendary binger Stephen R. Orr on a bus stop bench in the middle of the city. The cars zoom past as he sits stoically, straight-backed, the tension showing on his face as his training reaches hour seven. What is it about this bench, Stephen, that helps you prepare for next week's binge? Well, it's simple, Ronnie. Bus stop benches are known around the world as being some of the most uncomfortable places to sit. And that discomfort helps you? It sure does. How? Well, the couch I'll be using in next week's binge is quite plump and rather soft. It should contour itself to the shape of my back as I watch almost 10 hours of television. If I can sit here on this hard, unforgiving bench for 10 hours, then the couch should be a piece of cake. 
If you could take us through the events that led to your downfall that week in 09, what happened? What have you learned since? And how will next week differ? What you have to understand, Ronnie, is that I was trying for a record. I had attempted to watch the first four seasons of 24 in just one sitting. That's nearly three days worth of television. Iron Fist Season 2 is just ten episodes. A walk in the park when you compare the two. So what happened? I was cocky. Too sure of myself. I thought I was invincible. After all, I had successfully binged two seasons of Alias without blinking an eye. But four seasons of episodes, 24 per season? Well, it was impossible. By season three, it was all I could do to keep my eyes open. But it was two episodes into season four when my back seized up on me. The pain, it was just so intense. I couldn't move. And then the true horror happened. I had to use the restroom. But I just couldn't pull myself up off that couch. In the end, I had to call time out, call for the medic. It was humiliating. But now you're back. I've had nearly 10 years to figure out who I was, Ronnie, what I wanted. I'm a different person now with different goals. And you're confident that you can sit through all 10 episodes of Iron Fist Season 2? I am, Ronnie. I've never been more sure of anything in my entire life. You heard it here first, folks. Back to the studio. Bold words for sure, Tom. They certainly are, Chet. They certainly are. And here comes Ornell, striding confidently out onto the field, his 32-ounce mug of Diet Mountain Dew gripped firmly in one hand, the Universal Remote in the other. Well, he definitely looks ready to conquer the world, Chuck. Look at him. He hit play on the remote before he even sat down. Now that's confidence. It certainly is, Tom. And now, as he takes his seat and we hear that all-too-familiar twin percussive blasts that heralds a Netflix original, the crowd goes silent, and the real show begins. So I will say, even though that entire little thing you just listened to was all about binging the entire season of Iron, Vest, Iron Fist Season 2, I only, I've only watched three episodes so far. And I'll be honest with you, the first two weren't doing anything for me. The third one was okay. I've been, I had read on Twitter earlier in the week that uh, episode three is really where the show starts to take off. And it did to a certain extent. Um, but I, at first, episodes one and two, I just, I just wasn't feeling it. And I'm one of the few people, I guess, who really enjoyed season one. Um, I actually enjoyed season one in total, better than season one of Luke Cage. Luke Cage, of course, had had a great first half of the season and not a very good last half of the season. Now, season two of Luke Cage uh, just kicked butt right out of the gate and just kept going all season long. And frankly, if Alfrey Woodard does not win some sort of award for her portrayal uh, in that season, she... That's a, it's a crime. She was so great in season two of Luke Cage that she she better win something. She went she won my heart, but I doubt she cares. But season two of Iron Fist so far, first two episodes, like I said, not a lot seemed to happen. I mean, it you you start out with with Danny using the Iron Fist power right away within the first uh, few minutes of episode one. 
Uh, but then Joy comes back and Davos is there. And you know what? I don't freaking care. I don't care. But then there's this this weird girl, this Mary, who seems to be infatuated with Danny. And I was, you know, I'm not, it's, when I watch these Marvel TV shows, I don't catch a lot of the references to the, to, to the old, uh, old school stuff. Like I didn't realize that the dude in Daredevil was Nuke. I, I, little things like that. I don't, I, usually what I have to do is partway through each season, I get on my phone and I go and look for, you know, the Easter eggs. So somebody can explain to me who all these people are. Even though I've read most of those books, the memory ain't what it used to be. But this woman, she she acted kind of weird. Uh, her name was Mary. And I thought, is that Typhoid Mary? I don't know a lot about Typhoid Mary. I don't believe I read the Daredevil run that Typhoid Mary was in. Um, and I looked it up. Sure enough, it was. And she... And she helps end the episode three, which kind of kind of brought it together for me. And I started to watch episode four um, and it started out very interesting. But then I, you know, I had to go to sleep. I work. I'm working two jobs right now. And the last three I, I've closed at the night job the last three nights in a row, which means I get home around 1015. I get to bed around 11 because I. I I can't just come home, get in bed, and just sleep. I, I need a little downtime. But anyway, it means that I'm only getting about five and a half hours sleep a night. That's what I'm working on right now. Uh, but so far, I'm enjoying um, Iron Fist Season 2. Hopefully, the season will really pick up um, because I, everybody that I've been seeing on Twitter, I don't do Facebook, but everybody I've been seeing on Twitter has, has who have finished the season really enjoyed it, liked it much better than one. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Um, now beyond Iron Fist, I watched Avengers Infinity War. And I want to say, I mean, my, my first reaction to that movie really when it ended, I was just sitting there speechless. I told somebody yesterday that, and I'm not lying. I'm not, I, I, I sometimes joke that I'm the king of hyperbole, but I'm not lying when I say that movie might be very well be my favorite movie of all time. Now, when I really put a lot of thought into it, that's not true. There there are some older movies, of course, that I like so much better. But this movie had me going from the first second all the way to the end. There was never a point in Avengers Infinity War in which I was like, all right, come on, let's get past this so we can get into the other stuff. Come on, let's go. It was just an amazing freaking movie, and I and I want to say, uh, some of the some of the comic book websites like to put up these headlines every once in a while about a director or an actor who has never directed a superhero movie or who has never been in a superhero movie, and they like to. And hey, I would never be in a super. The superhero movies are just all flash and no substance, and there there's just too many of them, and blah, 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 and crap, 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 and negative, 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 and really, deep down, I wish I was getting a piece of that pie. That's really what those people are saying, but this, I honestly feel, deep down in my heart, that this movie, Avengers Infinity War, was not all flash, no substance. The entire Thanos story arc in that movie just... It was just so good. It was, you know, when I read Infinity Gauntlet and I reread it recently, it's like, okay, so he gets the, the Infinity Gauntlet and he's just trying to impress death. 
He wants death to like him. I don't get that motivation. Death, even though it's a person, she's there with him. It's such a abstract concept that I don't get that motivation. His motivation in this movie, however, oh my God, I totally got. I totally got it. I totally bought it. Here is a here is a dude whose home planet was suffering, and he knew deep down that the only way to to fix his planet was for fifty percent of the population to just die, get rid of them. If you have fifty percent fewer people on this planet, then the resources that this planet provides will be enough to feed and clothe and house everyone. Right now, can't do that. Too many people on the planet. I get that. Now, I'm not saying I want 50% of the Earth's population to be destroyed, but I get it. I understand that guy's motivation. I don't back it. I don't support it, but I freaking understand it. And so his entire motivation is to get the Infinity Gauntlet to wipe out 50% of the population in the universe so that each planet can thrive. And he was doing that up until he got that gauntlet. He, uh, When he went to Gamora's planet, that's what he was doing. He was destroying 50% of the population so that the rest of them could have, could live good lives, could have enough food to eat, could have enough water to drink. And so that whole, that whole arc, man, with him was just, it was so good. And I had a couple of moments in the movie and I'll I'll talk about them real quick. When Steve Rogers first appears, I, I'm watching this movie. I think it was uh, Saturday night after everyone had gone to bed. So I'm alone in the living room. Steve Rogers first appears and I just went, well, I can't tell you what I said because there was a curse word involved. But I was, I was ready to stand up and and throw my fist in the air. Um, Steve Rogers as a character, the way that they have him in the Marvel universe, cinematic universe, is such a great character. Even at near the end, when everybody is battling Thanos and nobody, you know, he's just brushing people aside. Nobody can stand up to Thanos, but Cap does, and you can see that in 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 Thanos's eyes. When he's pressing down with his giant hand on Cap and Cap is holding him back and he has this look of, of disbelief in his eyes. Who is this that can hold me back? Watch freaking Steve Rogers, buddy. And you don't mess with Captain America. That movie was so good. And then the end, the whole uh, post credit scene that is alluding to Captain Marvel being in the next movie. That was awesome. Really looking forward to that. And honestly... When the end of the second Infinity movie ends, that post-credit scene better be Fantastic Four. I think by that point, Marvel, Fox, no Fox, uh, yeah, Fox. Sound right? Yeah, Disney owns Fox now. So I don't know if everything has been put together, but maybe by that point we can get some Fantastic Four into the Marvel Universe. And you know who should make that freaking movie? The dude that made Thor Ragnarok. I'll talk about Fantastic Four maybe next week. Uh, But that's what I have been watching. And Avengers Infinity War, probably my one of my top five favorite movies of all time. I need to get the movie back to the library, but I'd like to watch it one more time before I do. So before we wrap the show up, let's listen to some bloopers. 
This week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just you stupid freaking loud car. All the cars driving by, they are so loud. Why can't everyone go home? Why can't everyone go home? Don't they know that I'm recording stupid stuff in my car? Don't they know? Can't they go home? It's Sunday. Each pair of sturdy loafers come with their very own convection heels that allow your own kinetic blubri. Listen to the cars. Listen to them drive by. Cars always going by and driving me crazy. Don't they know that I'm trying to record some stupid stuff in my car? No, they don't. Each pair of sturdy loafers come with their very own convection heels that allow your own convection blibbity. There's another car driving by and another and another driving by making noise, making noise, making noise and I wish they would stop. I wish they would stop today. Ooh, singing la 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 Listen to that car. Listen to that car. It was so loud. Dibby dibby ding dong ding dong dong. Dibby dibby doom. For only 12 easy payments of 29999999999. Call within the next seven seconds and we'll throw in a special pair of shoes. That was not the right line. People coming out and looking at me weird because I'm talking weird into my phone. They want to know what I'm doing. They can bite me. Bite me on the thumb. But that's not all. Call within the next point three minutes and you'll be flashman flawed. But that's not all. Call within the next point three minutes. Bleepsmodem. I don't like that at all. More cars driving by really loud, making me sad. I don't like to sing, singing alone in my car makes me feel a little weird. I want to thank you all for listening to episode two of the Stephen Orell's podcast. Let's close the episode out with all the stuff that we have to get through at the end. The sound effects used in the binge-watching championship sketch comes from the soundbible.com. The cheering sound effect was recorded by Gogo, and the street sounds were recorded by Daniel Simon. The drum beat used in the binge-watching championship sketch was created by my son using GarageBand. The theme song for the episode is Expendable by Trinity X. Find it and other songs by the band at atomiczombierecords.bandcamp.com. The intro music to the comic book segment is something I created 11 years ago. The rest of the music in this episode is from George Harab. Look him up at georgeharab.com. That's georgeharab.com. You let me know what you think about the show and or recommend some books. You can do that in a number of ways. Email me at stephenorelse at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on the episode at stephenorelse.com. Or you can leave a comment on the episode at patreon.com slash stephenor. And hey, while you're there, you can support me and support the show for as little as a dollar a month and get stuff for it before everyone else. For example, today's sponsor went up on the Patreon three days before the episode. So that's the kind of stuff that you can get before anybody else by supporting me for as little as a dollar a day. You can also go out to iTunes and leave a review. I'd love to see what you think about the show. 
So until next week, I'm Stephen. This is Stephen or else. And let's try to keep it positive out there, folks. There's too much negativity in the world. There's too many people complaining about too many things. There's too many people fighting. There's too many people looking for fights. And we just need to keep things positive. This, this, the world's gone crazy. Let's not join. Let's not add to it. See you next week. Good job. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.